You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Doing here, you almost got yourself killed, pal. Really? I'd say it's the other way around. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I pull this trigger and your throat's hanging off that wall behind you. Really? You pull that trigger, I'm gonna blow you in half. You got the visual? You are fing deluded, pal. You never had a chance to hit him with that gun. No, not with this one. With this one. You know me, huh? Yeah, you're, you're the second best cop in LA. That's funny, I hear the same thing about you. Why don't you stay off my case? What makes it your case? I've been on for three months and makes it my case. Mark, you said shows how stupid you are because I've been on it for about mm, half an hour now and here I am all caught up with you. Still off my case. Nice tie. Welcome to the party, pal. Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... You get the feeling things are about to get bloody? Could. No cash. If one of us doesn't make it back, I just want you to know that you're the best cop I ever worked with. That's something I want you to know, Ray. If well, if you don't make it back, and I do, I am going to date your sister. <laughs> I enjoyed that line. That was that was pretty good. Tango and Cash, 1989. We are, I believe, onto our 37th movie here on Action Movie Rewind. <laughs> Where we do deep dives into some of the greatest and also corniest action movies of all time. Every single week we put four movies up for vote now on my Twitter account, at Phil Mackey. One of them is a listener submission, and then the other three are from the three of us. This was Judd's submission from last week, and it ran going away on the poll. Tango and Cash, 1989. Here's the details. Police officers Ray Tango, Sylvester Stallone, and Gabe Cash, played by Kurt Russell, are narcotics experts working to bring down drug lord, I believe it's pronounced Yves Perret, played by Jack Palance, the legendary Jack Palance. In an attempt to stymie their efforts, Perret sets up Tango and Cash, making it look as if they've killed an FBI agent. Arrested and put in prison, the two cops formulate an escape plan, and once out of prison, team up with Tango's exotic dancer sister, Catherine, played by Terry Hatcher. Oh, yeah in order to clear their records and take down Perret once and for all. 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Critics consensus. This is going to be a new thing we put in every single week. Critics consensus on Rotten Tomatoes, where they just summarize like all the different reviews. Brutally violent and punishingly dull, this cookie-cutter buddy cop thriller isn't even fun enough to reach so bad it's good status. So they loved it. Uh, $54 million bloated budget. It was supposed to be like a $30 million budget. We'll get to some of that. $54 million budget turned into $120 million at the box office. Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, Jack Palance, the lovely Terry Hatcher. This is what this is her second ever movie, and then she was a kid. Yeah, yeah. She went on yeah. to star in uh, the Adventures of Superman. Yep. She was Lois Lane in the '90s, and then Desperate Housewives. So she's been all over the place. What was your key takeaway from Tango and Cash, Judd Zolgad? First of all, I would like to apologize. Um, 
I'd like to apologize because up until now, I feel that my submissions for films have been fairly solid. And, you know, I mean, yeah, they, they've been either good, good action films or just so bad that it's fun to talk about. I mean, because the Seagal catalog is brilliant. Um, the review that you just read is spot on. OK, it's spot on. <laughs> I don't it's, know if you have to apologize. It's yeah, I don't know either. So, this is so bad. It, it It's so bad, but it's not bad enough to be good. Uh, my key takeaway was was. This was, in fact, this in a film, I believe it was called Always, were released in late December of 89. And they were the last two films released uh, of that decade. And Tango and Cash finally jumped the shark of buddy cop films, which had been pushed. I mean, it had been pushed to the brink, right? Like, like we had gone far down that path. But you know what? I mean, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, 48 Hours. Lethal Weapon. They had all done a pretty good job of finding th- their niche, and you know I thought we're pr- we're pretty damn good. Uh, this one jumped the shark completely. Uh, I mean, I feel like I look I th- forward to this discussion, but my key takeaway was was as is stated in the uh, summary of how this film went. It came off like the complete mess that I guess it was behind the scenes, which we'll get to for sure. But yeah, I mean that, was- but it, but it, it reflected. To me, yeah. it was reflective. It is kind of funny. You mentioned like the jumping of the shark of buddy cop movies. Turner and Hooch came out the year earlier. So they, they had gone through all the different iterations of buddy cop movies. And then they then they even went to like, what if it's instead of two cops, what if it's a cop and a dog? And that, you know, yeah, which the, I've not <laughs> seen Turner and Hooch, to be fair. OK, it's Tom Hanks and a dog. OK, is what it is. Well, but it this was I mean, my God, it, this, <laughs> this was an experience. I will say that. <laughs> Um, I would say my main takeaway from this movie is just how self-aggrandizing Sylvester Stallone had gotten in his career at this point. <laughs> I mean, Sylvester Stallone had become one of the biggest stars in the world at this point, writing and and directing Rocky. By, by this point, they were four Rocky movies in. They were three Rambo movies in. And there was a couple other movies mixed in there, too. And he had just become, like, the biggest action star of all time. And this movie, to me, is basically... Take Rambo off the ticket, because Rambo's a different character. He He's basically, in all of his in all of his non-Rocky or Rambo movies, from, like, this point through, you know, like, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot was another one. All these corny movies that came out in the next five or six years. He's playing a variation of Rocky Balboa in all of these movies. This was, this was hey, like so yeah. his Rocky Three character who's sort of classy and wears suits and is chiseled and protective as a cop, right? Yeah. Like that's basically yeah, totally. when, when he's in Cliffhanger, it's Rocky from Rocky Four who's climbing mountains and wearing no shirt and like and and now he's a now he's a cliffhanger guy. Happy birthday, Polly. <laughs> and as much as I love Rocky movies and I love Sylvester Stallone, he's such a bad actor. Horrible. It's so well, bad. And the problem is, is that the more involved that he obviously gets behind the scenes, the worse the film becomes. Yeah. And it's, well, in some cases, like he's trying know, to rewrite it and all that. The projects that he's directed throughout the years, you know, mainly Rocky and Rambo have turned out to be blockbusters. So he, he can be a good director. Right. But what's the key? What What's the single most important thing to, to the success, in my opinion, at least of the Rambo franchise? He has no dialogue, basically. Sure, That's fair. <laughs> That's I mean, this is like point. Stallone on stero- on dialogue steroids. I knew this movie was going to be a trip. In the first 10 seconds, 
the opening line of the movie before they even show anything. It's just like a blank screen. Mm-hmm. And the opening line of the movie, and mind you, this was a mess behind the scenes, but they had like six or seven months to sort of figure out, all right, what's our entry point for this movie? What's the first thing we're going to do in this movie? Yes. And they landed on Sylvester Stallone saying, okay, okay. let's do it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's do it. That's the opening line of the movie. And then, it, so it's it's a black screen and it's the music stops. Okay, let's do it. And then they and then they show Sylvester Stallone in a car. It's like the whole thing is just like an ode to Sylvester Stallone. And, and you know what's sort of Rocky. weird? What's weird about it too is if, if you thought this through, and you were independently asked to cast the parts, you would have cast Kurt Russell in the Stallone role, and Stallone in the uh, Cash role. See, I disagree. I think you're thinking Rambo. I'm thinking Rocky. And he. this is who he was in Rocky 3 right. and Rocky No, 4. but I'm thinking of, of for the sake of the film being as good as possible, which this was not. I think because if, if Russell had been the dressed up, like he, he, is, he is a superior actor. Like it's not even close. Yeah, but he's not exactly like an he's Oscar a much award better winner. Herb Brooks, man, he was <laughs> yeah. great. He's yeah, really good. Yeah, that's fair. He's he, really good. That's good. He was good at her. But at I mean, like, if he was the dapper cop, I think it works a little bit more. But but Stallone was never going to allow that, so it didn't matter. Dex, what was your main <laughs> takeaway from this movie? Uh, this is one of the most over the top, ridiculous, <laughs> least believable things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Yes. However, all correct. I was here for it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Were you really? Usually, I'm the guy who would poo-poo this kind of movie, I feel like, of us three, and I'm kind of shocked how much Judd mm-hmm. walked back his pick, because I think he would embrace it. <laughs> it was just awful. And it, and it, and it is, but it is so awful, it is good. Like, I, I was actually into this movie from start to finish. I thought the pacing was good. I have nitpicks, but... The pacing, I, was, the pacing to start was really good, yeah. I thought. I, I do agree with that. I was here for it. I love the action. I was completely here for it. I liked it. That's hilarious. I thought I thought the 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 biggest tell of this film to me as as far as the absolute mailed in nature of the characters and actors was I thought Jack Palance was like Oh, okay, I'll do this. Jack Palance, <laughs> by the way, played the exact same character in uh, without as much of of a role yep. in Batman, which I also think came out in 1989. Oh, he yeah. was sort of the bad guy in this big, glamorous late 80s office with where like there's a desk and a bunch of couches really? and stuff, and he's got a sauna in his office. <laughs> yeah, okay, I've never seen Batman. Right, you're oh man, ooh, I don't want to see Batman. Don't make me watch dude, Batman. Which, I, dude, I don't. The I Michael don't wa- Keaton Batman is. I don't want to see Batman. Get nuts? Let's get Let's nuts. Get nuts. Jack Nicholson. I know you yeah, hate Jack. you hate comic movies. Yeah, though, so I, I, I superhero hate comic movies. books. Yeah. All right. Your favorite thing about Tango and Cash? Mine was was um, at the start with the soundbite that you played. I thought that Stallone having the ability to rip Rambo was awesome. <laughs> like I thought that line was hilarious i i actually liked it because but that that just goes into like the it's just the self-aggrandizing yes like, i know let's, let's throw in a rambo reference just because everyone's gonna love but it. that's what made but Ooh, like yeah. i like that like that's and and plus i'm sure he he thought you know i i'm really good in rambo but i mean i guess i can do this for just say this line is pretty funny uh but that's what i liked i i, I mean you have to you have to embrace almost the worst moments of this film to enjoy it and I will say this, the one thing that it definitely had 
uh, was, and I'm surprised now, they did know when to stop it. Like, this could have been 220. I could have easily oh seen. God. But, I mean, I could have easily <laughs> seen Stallone say, saying, this is a great action film. It's a great comic, you know. Uh, so I appreciate the fact that they cut this film off when they did. But my favorite was was the fact that Stallone at least poked fun at his characters from from other films because that was pretty so this was this was a one hour and 44 minute movie which is which so is fine another another category we could <laughs> we, we've done this before but let's say you had to make this movie two hours and 20 minutes you had to add like 30 minutes to this movie oh, could have what's been. the story arc that you would have gone down to add an extra 30 minutes more terry hatcher probably yeah yeah that's a nitpick of mine. I, I could have seen more terry hatcher um you saw plenty of her too oh, yeah, you saw yeah. Plenty of her. well and they they did get into they did start the action quickly, which was great. They could have built it up more. Like, they, they could have shown uh, Stallone's character and Russell's character behind the scenes more doing their own thing before they eventually come together. Yeah, kind of show... Uh, I mean, I'm glad they didn't. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. Yeah. They probably could have shown a little bit more of, like, how they became the two best cops in L.A. I know yes. they showed a couple little sequences. Yes. Dex, what was your favorite part of this movie? Uh, Kurt Russell. Because, as Judd said... It it reminds me if Herb Brooks was an '80s action guy because like I kept I kept seeing Herb Brooks as Kurt Russell and I know Kurt Russell has an illustrious Again. career that is not just miracle, but it yes, was my it favorite part because Kurt Russell was just it reminded me that it was if it was Herb Brooks as an action movie <laughs> that was my favorite part. I'm not, he's, not exactly. he's got the hockey lettuce in this movie. He does. Too. He's got the he's got lettuce. The um, yeah, I, I, honestly, Kurt Russell and just he I liked him way more than Tango. In fact, I would trust him. More than Tango, if I was needing a cop's assistance, I like I like my I like my odds with cash more than I like. Yeah, I don't Tango. understand the overprojecting wearing a suit and a tie all the time. Yeah. If you're a cop like that, you know, it's just like you're are dapper. You, he was a dapper cop. Are you really going to be running as fast with your wing Tra- shoes? He was trading Italian. stocks, man. Yeah, I gotta t- go take this call. <laughs> Very important. Okay, my favorite part of this movie was the framing of Tango and Cash and that whole arc. Just because of like how campy it was, so two things that just I I loved, but I was also like, oh my god, off that part, how confident they were throughout the entire process. <laughs> so these so these guys are getting framed for murdering an FBI agent by their by presumably their peers, right? Like right. there are people on the inside that are that are doctoring audio and framing them to go to prison. For life, at, at least at the beginning of the discussion, yeah, so so they can kill them. And the and these guys are sitting there in court, just like making little one liner jokes yep. about the guys who are testifying, and like, well, when we, you know, but we're gonna break that guy's neck or whatever. And they, it was like they were watching a TV show or something. It's like, no, your lives are on the line, and they were just like super confident the whole time that it wasn't gonna be a problem. <laughs> You're so right. You know, who, you know, who, so right. who do you think set this up? It's like, well, you guys are going to go to jail. But <laughs> what do you think? It's like the plot of, of the film and how it was written weren't checked upon. Well, he, yeah. And here's the other, here's the other like, reason I love maybe this Maybe it's not a comedy. So, well, and we'll get to some of that because because there's a, this movie had an identity problem in terms of like, oh, is yeah. it a cop movie? Is it a comedy? And, and there's reasons why. So the other thing about the framing of Tango and Cash is, again, they're being... They're being tried for murdering an FBI agent and corruptly facilitating a drug deal with audio evidence. Okay, so now it's all doctored and it's all a setup. But, like, they're about to get convicted. 
And so they've got all this evidence. They've got they've got police officers and experts testifying against them. It's a it's a done deal because they're being framed. And they decide right, we're we're gonna let's negotiate a plea deal here. Okay, let's maybe we can knock maybe we can knock a life sentence off this thing. And they plea it down to eighteen months in a minimum security prison. Right. And of course, they get sent to a max prison. And, yeah, and then but, they get dropped yeah. off at a maximum security <laughs> prison, and nobody but really like, checks. Yeah, so, like, yeah. what, 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 what prosecutor, when presented with, and again, I get it, it's like fake evidence, but like the evidence is these guys killed an FBI agent, and we have audio evidence that that incriminates well, them because the FBI agent had a wire on. And they somehow plea down to 18 months in a minimum security prison. <laughs> like what? And the story by the thing, though, that that gave the the film the opportunity to make it plausible was so they play it down. And then, of course, the judge has to sign off on the plea agreement. Right. And it would have been very easy for the judge to say, oh, no, no, that's too light. I'm sending you to max security. But he doesn't do that. So it's like they you, just like incompetently get dropped off at the wrong. <laughs> yeah. Prison. So you could have easily like explained go, going uh, to from club fed to a maximum yeah. security prison by having the judge say, no, you're going to serve your time here. Yeah. But they didn't do that. It's like this thing is filled with so many fixable holes. And so maybe, you know, maybe what they didn't explain well enough was I think this is what makes more sense. They agreed to such a lesser plea deal, the the prosecutor, because they just wanted to get these guys to agree to go to jail so that they could kill them in jail. Yes. Right? Yes, that's what the bad yes. And so and then the driver of the bus was in on it too and drops them off at the wrong prison, which is the prison they want to take them to where yeah. all yeah. the cronies are at. So yes. anyways. Um least favorite part of this movie, Judd. Uh what we just talked about. The jail itself, yes. okay? Yes. The jail. <laughs> what do you mean? They're it's a great walking, jail. So they're so they're being walked to their cell, which by, by the way is not where they've agreed to serve their time. But what the hey? And everything's on fire. Like they're walking through the hallway, and there's like not one fire. There's like eighteen fires burnt. Like yeah. everything about the jail, and then they get, and then they get um, basically attacked by the people that are supposed to kill them and it takes forever for the security guard i mean everything about the jail scenes uh include including um hold on a second There's here the, the three- including tango reading a fresh la examiner newspaper and the stocks which what he had just had delivered to his jail cell that part reminded me of judd hey can you stop that yeah well yeah that, that was annoying <laughs> But didn't you? But didn't you like think? Okay, did he like smuggle in the examiner, or or has he like subscribed to the paper in jail? Everything about the jail was so like implausible and comic book. And again, if it had made sense with the actual plot a little bit, I think I'm more willing to buy into it. But the whole thing just made no sense. And again. I, the 18 fires is what got yeah. me. Everything it, being yeah. on fire got me. Yeah, I'm with Judd. It's the most least, it, it's not even a believable prison. It's the most least believable prison I've ever seen, dude. <laughs> There's no way this is happening at this prison. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I think I think where it makes well, I was gonna say where it makes sense within <laughs> within this movie is that the remember the the assistant warden came in the guy before he got killed. Yeah, uh, the guy that worked with with Cash at one point early in their careers and said. This is the most like corrupt police force in the country, and right. all the all the workers at the jail are paid off, and so it sounds like they're all just all the people who are supposed to be keeping order are just paid off, 
And so that's why the inmates are literally running the asylum. And but. I'm sorry, the the scene where Cash dresses like a chick <laughs> to get on the motorcycle to get away from the cops. Not to objectify or anything here, but th- with those calves on that guy, there's zero chance that's that that that's a woman. How how about uh, the cop asking yeah. if there's any chance it, for a, a threesome? Three-way too. Yeah. <laughs> it's it also just not believable. Okay, what about there? So I I broke the prison the prison arc down into there's three scenes. There was the escape scene, which Declan references. Which is another, they grab a white what an electrical wire, but yeah. they don't get electrocuted. Yeah. Well, the, I guess the escape scene that Declan's talking about was after the prison, but like, Correct. but there's the escape from prison scene where they they're not really sure if they're going to get electrocuted, so yeah. and it's raining and stuff. Yes, and so they slide down uh, the wire across the, the the wall. There's the kidnapping scene where they get tortured, and uh, and like forty inmates and cronies come down to this boiler room area, I right. guess, and. Jack Palance is in there somehow too. He's just like in <laughs> the jail. Show, yeah. He just shows up at the jail. <laughs> um, and then there's the shower scene. Yeah, yeah, I wrote this down too. Where I'm pretty sure behind the scenes, going back to my initial point about this movie, Sylvester Stallone said, "Yo, yo, if we show our asses in this movie, yeah. it's an extra twenty million at the box office, guaranteed." So this is this to me is Sylvester Stallone viewing himself. As this American sex symbol oh, icon, no question, and I gotta show my ass to the masses that pay eight bucks to watch me in this movie. Lopez has a guy pretend to try and kill me, okay, and then he claims that Quan put him up to it. A Chinese guy feeds me that bogus information about the setup. That way, Lopez figures no matter what happens, I'll think it was Quan all the time. It's Lopez, and now I know it, right? Well, what do you think? I think with your IQ, you're unarmed and still very dangerous. Okay, Sherlock Holmes, if you're so goddamn smart, you tell me who set us up. I don't know yet. Yeah. You don't know. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Relax. Soap. And don't flatter yourself. They're just like, they're they're having a huge empty shower, presumably because they're being isolated away from the other inmates at that time. And they're just standing right next to each other, naked, showering off. Trying to figure out who framed them. It's just it's <laughs> it's it's a one hour and forty four minute cliche. Yeah, like everything about it's cliche. I mean, down to dropping the soap. It's just a cliche. And like, that's, that's another Stallone thing. He's like, oh, we would make this scene better if we drop the soap. <laughs> you're, you're, like, <laughs> I'm telling you, Stallone did more damage to this film behind the camera than he did in front of it. What was more believable, the prison break or the prison itself? I feel like it was the prison break because like the, the prison, prison break just, for just, sure. Because yeah. like the prison makes no sense to me. Well, yeah, except for for the fact that the prison break meant I had to jump like catapult myself <laughs> yeah. onto I think an electrical wire, right. which hang might on, electrocute. In the rain. Hang on and then take my belt while I'm hanging on and set up the slip slide thing. I mean, the whole thing was just. And look, in these films, I am willing to buy a lot. Like, I'm not asking for, well, that's not believable, so, right? But when you give me everything, is like, what are you even talking about here? And I'm telling you, it jumped the shark. It went too far, and, and the acting could not justify what they were trying to do. So, Dex, was it, did we go over your least favorite thing? Yeah. Okay. My yes. least favorite thing is the dialogue in this movie. Okay. <laughs> it is exhausting. <laughs> yes. Nobody Agreed. ever has a normal conversation for even five seconds. Literally every line of dialogue in this movie is fishing for a punchline. Yep. Most of them aren't really funny. It's just like it's 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 like Sylvester Stallone clearly wrote 
or rewrote all of this dialogue and said, we're just going to aim for like a hundred punchlines and we're never going to have a normal conversation. Um, and so I don't know. I just, by the end of the movie, I was like, okay, guys, guys, just have a normal conversation for five seconds. No, no, yeah, not possible. No, no, he saw, he saw if nothing else, lethal weapon and thought, I can do that. Too. We need ra- do we it. need rain. We need I actually can do that too. And, and and that film did have good actors. Yeah, I would agree with that. Gibson now, can act. Glover Kurt, can act. Kurt Russell is Kurt basically good. trying to copy Mel Gibson's entire yes. oh, yeah. look. Good point. His clothes. Hundred, you're right. Um, you're right. You're right. He's yes. a little bit of a loose cannon. Who's you don't know and, what he's, and he's also do. like hitting on a, a family member over here, right? Of his partner. You're, yes. It's it's very I didn't very think of much. That, but you yes, that's exactly right. So, all right, what else stood out to you guys in this movie before we get to some of the stuff from Wikipedia? Terry Terry Hatcher. Yeah, let's let's go there. I, a, stri- I, a stripper who drums too. I, by the I way, I couldn't figure out what was like. Was she even needed in this film? She like shows up in the first five minutes, and also like maybe I just missed it when she's in the in a uh, Stallone's office, like in the in the, her first scene. I couldn't tell if she was she also a cop at first. I know she was her sister. I know that. After watching it, but like I never made that connection right away. I don't know if she said it right away. What's that? Yeah, why, why? Like what? Yeah, what, what was her point in 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 the in her brother's police office at the beginning of the movie? Like her I'm first scene. Like was sense. she another cop? Was she? Oh a no no no. Girlfriend? She's, was she? Who was she? No, they they want you to to think that it's his wife or girlfriend, and her purpose was to tell him that she was thinking of I think traveling or right. leaving. Um, and so so. She was just, she came in to talk to him and see him. And then she doesn't show up that. again for 50 more minutes in the movie. And then when she shows up again, she's, and she's sh- right middle. An exotic dancer? And then at the yeah. end, she's just like randomly kidnapped by Jack Palance right. and being held at gunpoint. <laughs> like, okay. I couldn't. Which is our second consecutive <laughs> film of a person being kidnapped and they don't show you it and you could predict that they were going to be kidnapped. Yeah. I could not tell at the point. I, I, I don't know if like, we, did we, did we need her? Did we need her in this movie? Yeah, I think so. Because sex appeal, right? Yeah, she's she's very good looking. That's it. And in retrospect, she's a star. She her name on this movie makes it bigger now. Thirty years later, because yeah. she's she's probably I, I would argue she might even be a bigger star in the last thirty years because of Desperate Housewives and uh, and mm-hmm. Superman than Kurt Russell. Jack Palance is more of a star from like he was City Slickers a couple years later, but more of like and he's he started well. Shane and all these Western movies back. Yeah, in she's the day. big. Yeah, she is. Yeah. That, that's true. Um, where where Cash gets shot at the end, and he's clearly been shot, and Stallone <laughs> and Tango says, "You okay?" Damn it, and Cash says, "Yeah, clean exit." <laughs> As if is. If a bullet just goes right through you, well, I guess you're fine. I think he, and I think he also says, yeah, I, I've been shot before. It doesn't feel good. Which is like, <laughs> okay. Doesn't but I mean, sense. it's like you didn't even need to shoot him. Like, by that point in time, you didn't. I had enough, okay? You didn't need to. Clean Amazing. exit. Another thing that's Feeling good. Up, that this, Went right through my head. This could have been a tie for my least favorite thing about this movie. The soundtrack in this movie is so weird. Now, there's a couple mainstream songs. Yep. But mostly, like... Like the score of the movie, the the like the music, the the non like pop music that's played in this movie, it's super weird. It's like cartoonish synthesizer music, like you'd hear on Saved by the Bell transitions or something. Do 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 do. You know, it it doesn't fit the but vibe. I think of it's the a movie. Beverly Hills Cop attempt, right? Kind yeah. of, but that's like an iconic the, song. Like, do, yeah, do, do, no, do, I know, do, but do, I don't do. think that they. I think that they just thought we're two big stars. Let's just do something. 
and we'll copy everything. <laughs> and, and we'll put butts in seats because I'm Sylvester Stallone, and yeah. that's all we really need. Yeah. We just need me, basically. <laughs> okay, production notes. This is where we get to some of the some of the juicy stuff behind the scenes. First of all, a casting note. Sylvester Stallone and Patrick Swayze were initially the two that signed on to star in this movie. And um, Swayze dropped out in the middle of 1989 and went on to star in Roadhouse instead. Which Great I think was career, career good move, career Patrick. Move. Great career move. And then he was replaced by Kurt Russell. So I could definitely see, yeah, Kurt Russell at this time seems like knockoff Patrick Swayze. Like if you can't get Patrick <laughs> Swayze, get somebody else that has sort of long yeah, hair. Big deal. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. Okay, after nearly three months of filming, director Andre Konchalovsky was fired by producer John Peters in a dispute over the movie's ending. In his 1999 book of memoirs, Konchalovsky said the reason he was fired was because he and Stallone wanted to give the film a more serious tone and make it more realistic than the producers wanted, especially John Peters, who kept pushing for the film to be goofier and campier. And as such, his relationship with Peters became untenable. Another reason why Konchalovsky was fired as director was his refusal to agree to what he referred to as increasingly insane demands that Peters had. Konchalovsky said that he was initially hired to make a buddy cop movie with some humor, but Peters basically wanted to turn the whole thing into a spoof without any semblance of seriousness, and Konchalovsky refused, and so they butted heads and he was fired. And that's what this movie feels like. It feels like it's kind of like a serious movie and there's a bunch of serious bad guys and yes. there's serious violence. But then the music and the dialogue and some of the the way that they filmed it was very campy and goofy. Behind the scenes problems, including filming, script changes, later constant cuts and re-editing of the movie were so big and so bad that one of the more experienced crew members said in an interview, quote, this was the most worst organized, most poorly prepared film I've ever been on in my life. From the first day we started, nobody knew what the hell anyone was doing. And you know what? It showed. <laughs> it all showed. That's my favorite part is like everything that you just read was apparent. Yeah, it's just it. it like felt there was very nothing deserted. about this film that felt like, you know what? They really covered up the blemishes well. Did it? No, it, it was definitely it was fishing. It was fishing for sure. But it, but you know what? I'm with Declan in that you could tell the thing was disjointed and it was kind of trying. It was like a Dick Tracy movie, but then it was like <laughs> it was also like Lethal Weapon. But then it was kind of like a Rambo and a Rocky movie. And in the end, it was like, all right, all right, I, I'm good. I, that one hour and 44 God. minutes, I, I, I'm i not going to apologize fine. for that. Now, in, <laughs> se- in September of last year, Sylvester Stallone revealed that he has a story written for a potential sequel. The filmmaker stated he is trying to convince Kurt Russell to oh, sign on to the project. Don't do it, Sly. Although he anticipates the film will be made. Don't do it, Sly. I feel like How? Sylvester Stallone has spent the last 15 years just like, let's just go back and let's re-rack Rocky a couple times. Oh, he, yes, let's re-rack exactly Rambo. Right. Rambo, he's done, what, two of those sequels now um, since the, the, what, fourth one got done? Mm-hmm. So answer me this about how was this, how has a sequel not been made by now, and in fact, how how was a sequel like not made in 1991? Mm-hmm. I'm sure, like I did watch that film. It was such a cluster thinking, behind the scenes, probably thinking they just said, uh... there had to be a sequel, right? But I mean, everything about it screamed sequel. Yeah, except for like nobody who was involved with it wanted anything to do with Dude, it after right. it was over. But Stallone did, and I, I would have thought back then that Russell 
would have gone along because it it was not a box office failure. They did make money. I'm going to bring up Kurt Russell's filmography here because this was like he was. It's pretty impressive. He's done a lot of good stuff. He did Burn on a Wire. Escape from New York. Right. Escape from New York in the 80s. Is that correct? Let's see. Correct. Yeah, so he actually he started he started acting in the '60s, man. Yeah, he's yeah. really he's very good. So he, was he a kid? He must have been a kid actor. Yeah, yes. he was born in 1951. Yep, so he, he was a kid, kid actor. actor. Yes. Um, some of these I've never heard of here. Uh, Strongest Man in the World, Escape from New York. What year was that? 1981. Okay, yeah. The Fox and the Hound. He played. He he had a voice role in The Fox and the Hound. Oh, great movie. The Thing in 1982. Mm-hmm. I'm skipping some of these. Big Trouble in Little China, 1986. That's been recommended by some listeners for that was a hit for this exact segment. Tequila Sunrise, 1988. Tango and Cash. Backdraft, 1991. I love Backdraft. Okay. Backdraft's a great oh. Ron Howard film. That's right. He was in Captain Ron in 1992. What's, Tombstone. What's Captain Ron? Captain Ron is like um, I've seen it like twice, and it was 25 years ago. But he is a I think he's like a like a boat. What do you call a captain, captain or yep. something? And who is it? Seaman. Martin Short's family is like on a boat, and <laughs> Captain Ron is like the guy that's okay in the boat or something. <laughs> I did not know that. Like that. Okay, I wouldn't recommend wasting two hours. He was in Forrest Gump. He played Elvis Presley in Forrest Gump in an uncredited voice role. I don't Hilarious. It's funny. Did not know that. Escape from L.A., Executive Decision, 1996, yeah, he's good. Vanilla Sky, etc., etc. Yeah. Et so okay. he's been in all kinds of stuff. All right. Anything else before we get to definitive bad guy rankings here? No. Should we just dive right into it? I don't um, think so. Okay. I'm all, I'm all good. Yeah. Perrette, Jack Palance, the legendary Jack Palance. Yeah, sorry. Perrette in Tangling Cat. <laughs> sorry, Jack. I'm not going to be too favorable <laughs> with you on this. So the the bad guy rankings to this point go number one, Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Number two, Michael Myers from Halloween. Number three, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air. Number four, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse. And number five, Cobra Kai from Karate Kid. We also, I'll just give you the middle section here too, so we can kind of give a like a median. Dom from Fast and the Furious, Victor Maitland from Beverly Hills Cops, Scorpio Killer from Dirty Harry, Colonel Stewart and General Esperanza from Die Hard 2, and uh, Hertz from Shoot 'em Up. The bottom is the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3. That's the that's the very bottom. Jack Palance is a legend. Perrette is just, I don't know. I think he's like literally top five worst we've done. Yeah, it's just not iconic. There's nothing significant he does. He gets killed super easily. Like he's not really in the movie that much. It's like they basically showed him a clip or clips of the Victor Maitland character and said, "Do yeah. this." And Palance is like, "Nah, I'm not going to work that hard." So I'm going to work my way down here. The, I'm with Declan. The sixth worst one we've reviewed is General Hummel from The Rock. I think he's below that. Sloan from Wanted, Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours, French Drug Lord from Bad Boys. I would probably put him fifth worst exactly. That's fine with me. He's just among, it was just a. It's kind yeah, of a guy. He was forgettable. It was mailed in as you, as much as an actor can possibly, who's great, mail in a role. Yeah, it's too bad. I wanted Jack Palance to, to be ranked higher. Jack Palance had potential to be super that high. That whole thing at the end where, where he's watching on, but before he gets killed, where he's, he's, watching them try and go through the maze and he's like oh no no yeah get him no it's like (laughs) his whole what is that property is being destroyed all of his henchmen have been killed yeah and he's still sitting in there like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna overcome it's like dude 
everything you've built illegally is about to crumble. But right like, now. did they so. shoot that scene? And like, it was like he showed up for like, and he he's like, I got an hour to do this. Okay, guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yes. All right. We get to our 1 through 10 ranking system here. The only two perfect movies we've reviewed, according to us anyways, are Die Hard and Halloween. Taken, John Wick, Commando, Beverly Hills Cop, all a 9 or above. Fast and the Furious, Expendables, Top Gun, Roadhouse, Hard to Kill, Rocky Four, Dirty Harry, Bad Boys, Independence Day, and Point Break are all 8 or above. Let me get to kind of the middle of the pack. for us. Like the median score for us. It's like a 7.5, 7.775. The lowest scores for us are shoot them up as a 2.8 blood sports, a three. I still disagree with that. Mad Max two is a 3.7 wanted is a 3.8 Rambo three is a four. Yep. So we'll start with Judd Zolgad one through 10. All right. This film was absolutely positively atrocious. It was, (laughs) I I recommended it and I'm more than going to come clean and say that. Uh, it did qualify mm-hmm. somewhat in what we're looking for, but the problem is we, we've got films that qualified so much more and put in so much more of an effort. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. okay. I I will probably go with a five, and that's still being generous, but it like Judd, like Judd said, there's a lot of things and elements in this movie that fit what we're looking for, even though... I was very captivated by this movie. I was captivated. Like, it, it kept me engaged for whatever reason, for how bad it was. But it's a five. It is a five, and it sh- if, if our median is seven, there's no way I can put it in the median. I can't do it, so it's five. Yeah, it's a it's a below average. So our average is seven and a half, right? So it's it's a below average movie for sure. I also have it as a five. Okay. But it wasn't like... there There are some movies on this list that I would probably just never watch again. Like, I'm probably never going to watch Shoot 'Em Up again. Right. I'm, I don't know. I'm probably never going to watch 48 Hours again. I'm good on 48 Hours. It's fine. Like, if I'm going to watch Eddie Murphy in a cop movie, it's going to be Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2, 3, right? Sure. I would probably watch this movie again. I don't know if I'd sit through the whole thing, but if it was on TV, like, all right, oh, the prison scene. This is great. I get to watch the prison scene. (laughs) But I'm giving it a five, and that gives it an average score between the three of us of a 4.7, making it the sixth worst action movie we have reviewed to this point. So what's below it? Below it is Rambo three. Not a not a good uh, not a good time for our guy. Yeah, that, that was that, oh, that was yeah. not that was not good. Wanted sure Mad Rambo. Max two Bloodsport shoot him up. Just okay. t- actually tied with it is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and then we go up the ladder. Air Force One, Pineapple Express, Forty Eight Hours, Death Wish, The Rock, Con Air, <laughs> Alfred Justice, etc. So, all right, here's what we have for next week. We have I'll give you a recommendation from a listener. And then the three of us are going to throw our recommendations in the ring. Sure. And then we'll do the voting over the weekend on my Twitter account, at Phil Mackey. So the listener submission is one of the sound bites, I believe, for, I think, oh. from our intro. Predator. Yes. From right. Cuddy 2 on Twitter. Arnold Schwarzenegger movie okay. from, I think, the 80s. Oh, yeah. so okay. I like Predator. It. Yeah. I like that very much. Judd? I'm going to keep it in the Arnold family. Wow. I'm going with the original Sarah Connor Terminator. Oh, oh boy. man. The original Terminator, which I looked it up, I believe is 145. It's not that long. No, it's wow. not. But it is a, I, that's a fun film. That's a really good film. Terminator. Okay. Declan? All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to use it. I, with, with two really good movies here, I feel like I'm wasting this bullet, but I could use it again next week or the next time we do it. 
I'm going with Kill Bill Volume 1 with Uma Thurman. So a Kill Bill. Vi- a lot of violence. A lot of violence. A lot of blood. It is 152, so it's still under our two-hour time limit. I like it. It's a very good movie. Um, I'm a big Uma Thurman fan, too. So Kill Bill Volume 1. Okay. I can get on board. This is, I feel like this is a strategy game. It is now. It's totally now, strategy. Now that but Terminator's you can on the board, to fire your bullets. I know, but now that Terminator's on the board, I was going to go with another like big blockbuster one. But I feel like Terminator's got has got that turf. Yeah. So I'm going to go with more of a quirky off the wall one and see what happens. Since we're doing the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing, Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> Every week you come up with a fourth one and just let yourself get buried. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> strategy. We've yeah. got three no, Arnold movies yeah. on here. All right, kindergarten. kindergarten you know Devito, right? It's sort of a. I'm I'm sort of conceding the Arnold category to Cuddy Two and Judd here. But if people see Kindergarten Cop and they want us to review it, then we will review Kindergarten Cop on uh, next week's uh, wow. episode. Uh, on our production meeting, are, is this the last action we were going to do for a little bit before we like maybe do some Christmas or holiday well, movies? We have to have that discussion. Okay. Um, so next week is the 19th, and then we're all... So next week will probably be the last movie review. We might sneak another one in at some yeah, point. Yeah, but for sure. 